0: Hey coach, Zenia Wood here, owner and founder of Swift Coaches and Swift Movement Academy. Our vision is to live in a world where health business owners turn their passions into profits and create financial freedom guilt-free. And for all of those exercise and rehab professionals to finally feel confident as fuck in their technical skills and we never again see another coach leave the industry because of it. What you're about to hear is a bite-sized jam-packed version of one of our episodes. So if you're looking to learn swiftly, this mini episode is for you. Let's dive straight in. Like you've mentioned things like strength accumulation, training integration. What are the... like, so there's obviously your phase names. So can we list out what those phases are? And then maybe dive into like an example criteria, because you're saying, obviously, they're not time based, which I totally agree with, we need to have, you know, obviously, there's going to be some minimum times in terms of post surgery, where you don't want to be doing certain things. But for the most part, once they hit criteria beyond that, um, it should be based on, what they're capable of rather than I said at 20 weeks you can run even if you're not capable of doing you know a single leg sit to stand so what are the phases and then maybe give us like an example criteria of how you have decided to um help someone tick off that they can move into the next phase
1: yep no drama so our phases of rehab we have five of them um we have our protection like going from earliest to latest where you go We have our protection phase, our load introduction phase, our strength accumulation phase, our training integration phase, and our return to performance phase. Um, To give a bit of a macro understanding of what they mean, they're very outcome focused. So in terms of our protection phase, the outcome is the restoration of tissue physiology, um, whereas our load introduction phase is to... um, the outcome is that we want to restore local tissue capacity and introduce key lift patterns so we want to be able to teach people how to move well our strength accumulation phase our outcome is a, is a successful return to run our training integration phase, our outcome is a successful return and reintegration to full team training. And then return to performance phase is a successful return to play and um, being able to quantify and identify what return return to performance means for that individual. In terms of criteria, so if we look at, I guess, a common criteria that people are typically after is when can I say return to run post ACL reconstruction is probably one of the most common questions um, that you'll get. It's probably the second most common question that an athlete will give you outside of, when can I return to play? Mm. So for us, we look at, well, if our load introduction phase is we want to um, introduce local tissue, local tissue capacity and um, key lift patterns, and we want to build a physical profile that can return a run we need to we then needed to work out well what does a physical profile that can return a run look like okay so then we've got to break it down into we need to be looking at um, quadricep strength hamstring strength calf strength um, dynamic hip knee ankle control um, plyometric capacity to be able to tolerate ground reaction force so from there those tasks we then break that down into well, what does that look like okay so from a quadriceps strength standpoint we look at isometric um quadriceps strength performed in a in an open chain manner when i say open chain obviously the most common is a like a knee extension but it's isometric we perform it um at 90 degrees so it's completely safe there's no stress on the graft tissue and we compare make comparisons right versus left um limb symmetry gets a bit of a bad rap because it is uh, titled as something that is um, obviously very variable dependent on individuals. My take on limb symmetry is that it's only a poor marker if you're crap at training the uninjured site. So as long as you've got a program that can develop strength of the uninjured limb, then limb symmetry should be a reasonable marker, particularly in Yep, yeah. Sorry,
0: I was just going to say with that, in terms of image symmetry, because I've always thought that that can be, um, you know, if you're testing someone, I don't know, day one, right, and you're looking left versus right, it's like, well, were they just as likely to injure their opposite side? And why would you use, you know, someone's non-injured side if they were just as likely or just as at risk of injuring that side. It just happened that, you know, the other one went first. So obviously you're training both sides as you go through and we need to make sure it's not these single leg um, exercises so that they don't progress one sided and then get even stronger on their, you know, ACL injured side. Um, But what what are your thoughts on limb symmetry index in terms of like, how do you actually use that and how confident are you that their other side wasn't shit in the first place, I guess. Yeah, so... Hey, coach, are you loving this episode? Because if so, I have some incredible news for you. We have our last round of our educational mentorship as you know it. So, this is our incredible 12 month mentorship with me, where we go through everything from assessments, biomechanics, anatomy, training principles, and so much more. This is our most in depth version of anything that we do education wise. And this is the last time we are going to be running this as you know it. So, we only have 12 spots left. And uh, it starts on Monday, the 27th of November. We are taking interviews for this, interview only. Uh, and if you're interested in this, then click the link in the show notes and I would love to jump on a call with you and see if this is right for you. Now back to the episode. So
1: the Where I feel that limb, limb symmetry index is useful is in um, isolated uh, muscle capacity strength measures, um, utilizing tests where there is an absence of gold standard data. So what I mean by gold standard data is that um, we know in late stage rehab that we can use um, isokinetic quadriceps strength testing, and it's been very validated, very reliable um, to identify the um, percentage of body, body weight in newtons per kilo that we're targeting for elite athletes all the way down to amateur athletes. So we can get great raw data there. Where we don't have great raw data is using, say, handheld dynamometry, even when you set it up in a in a way that has great um, intra-tester, so the uh, Same person. one tester test yeah. retest reliability, um, because it has there's there's no published data there. So, but we we can still use that test to go right, okay, um, assuming that I have an athlete that is reasonably trained. Um, on the uninjured limb and even if the injured even if the uninjured limb has previously had an injury being able to match balance that because we know that say for example running locomotion whilst it is a single leg task it is a it, it is a task of transferring weight from one limb to the other limb and we for anyone that has coached running before you if somebody has massive strength asymmetries on one limb to the other limb they will see discrepancies in somebody's gait and their uh, tolerance of load. So in these isolated strength uh, measures, you you can reasonably use limb symmetry index to gauge a marker of progression. It's not an outstanding late stage, and that's why I will never use an isometric knee extension test as a late stage marker of progression. But in terms of a, a gaining one understanding of an athlete's physical profile for their return to run, it's it's useful where you then match that with is okay well what does their isolated knee extension strength look like and how does that match up with their ability to perform a single leg squat and not just their ability to perform a quality single leg squat but also their ability to perform repeated single leg squats so looking at quantity and quality because if you get discrepancies in that i.e. isolated knee extension is good but they can't perform a single leg squat because they fatigue then you start raising question marks in your head as to whether they're strong enough to return to run and that's where all of these criteria. there's no one test that says yes you are great to to move to the next stage or to to do x y and z you're just gaining information to make a reasonably informed decision that's all that it is so to continue on that path we've got our quadriceps strength measures um which we've just spoken about, but then also our hamstring strength measures which we measure at different joint angles utilizing the nordboard um we have our calf strength measures which we um, utilize capacity primarily for the calf given that it is a more it's designed to absorb force it is designed to um uh, it, the calf in itself is designed to um, promote more endurance rather than power uh, when we run. Um, so they're our uh, primary uh, strength markers. um and then in terms of our other measures, it's, well, what does their, their landing look like in terms of their ability to um, perform a single leg altitude land and a single leg tall to short? And what does their hip knee and ankle alignment look like when they land? What does their triple flexion strategy look like when they land? And there's no way of saying, for me to to give a number on this. This is where I think, again, there's another fallacy is that all criteria need to have a number attached to it. Um For me, and this will. This probably leads in more into our service model in itself. Every session that I do with the athlete is a assessment session because I am looking at how good are they performing their gait mechanics drills, how well are they performing their strength, uh, their strength exercises, how well are they performing their velocity block, their plyometric exercises. So that's a little bit of a tangent, but um we've got the like the neuromuscular control aspect of how they land as well as um biomechanically how well do they absorb low amplitude plyometrics so their ability to perform pogo jumps single leg pogo jumps alternating pogo jumps do they collapse um at the ankle and then into knee flexion or are they really hitting the ground well producing a lot of force Um, we can quantify that on the force decks. now again we use a lot of the valve performance um metrics to guide our decision-making that's intentional because we want to be as objective as possible with our progressions um, where there are alternatives that you can use via different apps and, and things like that but it is something that I mean we wanted to create the best framework possible not a well people might not have access to this equipment what do we do then we go okay we can provide some alternatives but work we want backwards
0: to, from the yeah, gold standard we're
1: working back work exactly right working backwards from the gold standard so I guess to summarize all that we've got our isolated um, quadricep strength measures we've got a more functional quadricep and glute strength measure in our single leg squat we have our hamstring strength measures through the nord board as well as a functional hamstring measure through um, a single leg hamstring bridge um, a single leg calf race capacity um, pogo jumps on the four steps um, altitude landing control as well as being able to um tolerate well a period of modified surface running so for us we're lucky enough to have an alter g um but we for those that don't have an alter g our recommendation is using something like a mini tramp or we've also got an air track where you can train an athlete in dynamic gait drills over a period of time to not only get their body used to hitting the ground but seeing the quality of their locomotion control
0: don't forget, if you are keen to see what our educational mentorship could do for you in the next 12 months with your career, we are taking enrollments now. Only 12 spots are available and they are getting snapped up like hot cakes. Remember, it starts Monday, the 27th of November, and so you will need to be enrolled and had your call with me before then if you're keen to see how you could level up your education. Did you find something valuable in this episode? If so, I'd like to ask a tiny favor. If you have 30 seconds now, I'd love you to follow or share the podcast. That way, we can continue to bring you more real, raw, and uncensored stories from industry leaders. We also love hearing from you and what you loved about every episode. The best way to reach out is to DM me personally on Instagram, at Swift Coaches Academy. Until next time, and in whatever you do, move swiftly.